Welcome back to our podcast within a podcast, pottering around at the unexpected Quidditch outcome of Mangum Reads. We are three muggles who think the Bulgarian prime minister seems like a good hang. My name is Sarah. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, BJ and Spencer. How are you all doing? Could not be in more agreement with you on both points. So Dead on. I'm, I'm beginning to very much agree with you that this book is my favorite book because it has my two favorite characters so far. Old man in nightgown and Bulgarian prime minister faking not understanding English? Yes. I knew we'd find something for you, BJ. <laughs> Bit characters that we never see again. Indeed, you have found the second one that we will never see again. Um, So we are here with, I never know what number chapter we're on, but we are on uh, the Quidditch World Cup. Chapter 8 of um, Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. We have some segments that we do here. We have a rapid fire recap. Um, We have BJ's Wizard Wheezes, Newbie's Notes with Spencer, and BJ, and um, we award house points. And then there are questions, queries, qualms, and quibbles. I assume they're about Quidditch this time, so there we go. We'll probably go quickly, yes, no. given that this is sort of another intermediate chapter. Uh, yes, um, it gets us to some very important places in the next chapter, although a weirdly information that you would not expect to be important in this chapter is very important moving forward. Hmm. And that's what I will say on that. Can you warn us about any of those, or is it going to be too much of a spoiler to mm. do that? It is completely unimportant that Dobby showed up in this chapter, that there's any information about Dobby. You should forget it immediately. <laughs> I suppose there is that. Please ignore the house elf behind the curtain. <laughs> um, I would say that that is not one of the unexpected pieces of information that becomes important later. <laughs> <laughs> So, Dobby, you remember Dobby? Would you like to see a stand-in Dobby? Let's talk about Dobby. I would, I would actually um, suggest to you that our, our actual present house elf becomes important in ways that you would not expect. Mm-hmm. Winky? Okay, mental note on Winky. Yes. Um, Do we get Winky, Blinky, and... Nod. Shake of the head? <laughs> um, I might... I'll think about whether or not you need to know about the other things that you should remember from this chapter. Sarah, we trust you. Use your judgment. Okay. Are we um, ready for the recap? Uh, assuming you are, because this is another long chapter. Uh, do you have a bet about how long this one's going to take? I do, after, um, by freewheeling and completely off the rails recap from last time. 20 seconds over, Jesus. Go I was on. overtaken by a Mr. Weasley-like enthusiasm for the chapter and could not contain myself. It was a good chapter. Um, but I actually, so this is a pretty long chapter. As I've alluded to, there there is some important information in it, but a lot of it is also just Quidditch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, the details of which are less important than other things. So I'm actually going to go right on the money at two minutes. Two minutes, okay. Well, if you are ready, the somewhat less impressive novelty stopwatch is ready for you. They walk with the crowd to the stadium, which is enormous. They're in the top box, which is deeply cool, and they can see everything, including the self-writing advertisement 
advertisements for things like a blue bottle family broom and scours all-purpose magical mess remover. The box is empty except for a house elf Harry briefly mistakes for Dobby, but is in fact Winky and she does not like heights. But she knows Dobby and seriously disapproves of his freedom as well as the big head it's given him. He wants pay. Anyway, Winky's master, we later learn this is Barty Crouch, sent her up here to wait for him, so here she is. They settle in and the box, um, fills up with bigwigs, including Cornelius Fudge, the Bulgarian minister, uh, the Malfoys, and Ludo Bagman, who gets things started. The team start with a mascot display. The Bulgarians have Vila, who are superhumanly beautiful magical beings that can flash their magic to make particularly men do nutty things, as evidenced by Harry's half-formed thoughts of needing to do something impressive and standing nearly ready to jump out of the box. Hermione disapproves. Then Ireland sends out a fleet of leprechauns who fly in formation and drop gold over the stand, which Ron's, Ron promptly gathers up and gives to Harry for the omnioculars. The teams come out, and Harry is glued to his own omnioculars as play starts. He can watch everything in slow motion and get commentary on the plays. The mascots, in my opinion, seem even more fun to watch than the Quidditch, as the leprechauns form rude gestures and the Vilas allure the referee to their side. Uh, Ireland quickly takes the lead, and Harry's never seen playing like this, especially uh, crumbs flying, which at one point leaves the Irish seeker flattened on the ground. The game gets dirtier, Ireland continues to pull ahead, Crumb gets hit in the face by a bludger, and the Irish Seeker uh, takes off for the snitch. Blood pouring from his face, Crumb follows in hot pursuit, clearly a better flyer. He grabs the snitch just as the other Seeker slams into the ground again, and Ireland still wins 170 to 160. Ron can't figure out why Crumb caught the snitch if they were just going to lose, and Harry thinks it's because he wanted it to end on his own terms. Hermione thinks Crumb was very brave. The players come up to the top box for Ireland to receive the cup, and Crumb is still in bad shape from that bludger, but perhaps not quite as bad a shape as Bagman, who has to pay out a hefty sum to the Weasley twins. Sorry, Sarah. Two minutes and oh, one no! second. Oh, <laughs> no! Wow. Two minutes is the cap. I, not this the time. The fumble on the omnioculars, I think, got me. It, it did not take you much. A single stumble was all oh, it took. Oh, no. This is a bad run I'm on. Okay. All right. Next time. Next time. We'll tighten up. <laughs> I'm sorry. The, the Excel spreadsheet, which I will post on our group link, is got a nice big zero for two chapters in a row. That really actually hurts. <laughs> And particularly, too, remember, there's the total time thing, too. And you, with accumulating time over two minutes, you're risking possibly losing an extra bunch of points at the I end as well. I am well aware, Spencer. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> now, I'm just reminding our audience and pouring a little bit of salt. You know, these things help. Uh, all right. <laughs> I, I never thought but, as you as a salary man, Spencer. Didn't get it. Didn't get it. Wait, I'll, I'll, I'll come back to it in about five minutes to understand the joke here in a second. <laughs> um, so, BJ... What are you wheezing about? Um, So I have somewhat of a unique wheeze um, that came from a question that I was asking because this was one of the few times that I um, was reading the chapter in the presence of my girlfriend, which meant that I had somebody else to question about uh, that isn't you, Sarah. (laughs) Um, And so some of that burden was uh, displaced, misplaced, and otherwise... um, Hopefully, probably no spoilers, but there was like a, a momentary of, well, there's this, oh, wait, no, I, mm, that might be a spoiler. I don't think you've gotten there yet. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> um, so um, I was wondering about, uh, because there were these really funny uh, advertisements that we got on, on the board of the Blue Bottle Broom for All the Family, um the magic mass remover uh and my favorite which is glad rags wizard wear london paris and hogsmeade which is just like 
It's so weird to have those three listed off <laughs> because either the wizards are like around and that makes sense that it'd be London and Paris, mm-hmm. but Hogsmeade is like, well, we're not hanging out with anybody. So it would be, it would have been much more reasonable, at least in my mind, to have like Hogsmeade and then two other things that JK made up. Well, it's for the international contingent to be Sure. Um, anyway, so so the uh, thing in question was the built-in anti-burglar buzzer on the blue bottle broom. Sure. So it seems like a very useful thing for any uh, enterprising wizarding family to have something that either attunes magic to them or locks things up. Because just having your wand laying around seems like a really dumb thing, especially in a boarding uh, school because people like stealing each other's wands apparently doesn't really happen but a hundred percent if this was the real world that would be like half of the problems that they had to deal with in hogwarts sure um and so it was i was remarking on the fact that harry sort of had a wand that was attuned to him and sort of not and it kind of goes back and forth and on brand for my girlfriend she was like well you know i think of it kind of like a horse you know like there are horses that you work with and you're comfortable with and you can work well together, but you can sort of do, do the same thing with pretty much any horse. It just varies a bit. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. That's I, I I accept that as an explanation. <laughs> I'm willing to accept it as an explanation, but given how much she uh, has horses in her life, I was just like, a, this is about as on brand as you can get, and I don't know about this. <laughs> I I do think it's right. I think that it is. Hmm. The only place that I would quibble with it a little bit is that, and this comes from a place of having no experience with horses, so I could be entirely <laughs> wrong, <laughs> but let me pontificate about it for a little while. But it does, horses are um, like at least sentient beings in the world that you can reason <sighs> with to some extent, or at least train. Yes, sure. Um, and wands but are just but... not... <laughs> Well, but there is some indication that wands, or at least people working with wands get comfortable with, like, certain spells. Yes, that's true. So so there is that sort of, like, breaking in period. Yes. With and wands, as we as of. we learned in our hopefully soon-to-be resurrected um, Harry Potter RPG, like, di- different materials in different wands are obviously kind of aligned with the owner of the wand but are also themselves aligned with a propensity for certain spells or certain right. types of spells um, anyway exactly sure um and so the other thing um spencer i i turn towards mm. you because this just seems a little bit more in your bellowick um so if you were to use a cathedral as a unit of measure <laughs> come on would it be a length a square footage a volumetric measurement, like where where are we going here in a ten cathedral uh, field size? I was guessing it was just going to be like you know the area of the box on the ground. I was the guess I was kind of go with rather than volume, just because of just the imagining of how many cathedrals lined up would fill the space. But it is it is an evocative description, but not necessarily the most informative one. I feel like it has to have an element of volume in it, though, because we get some descriptions of, like, how high up the Weasleys and Harry end up going. Oh, yeah. They're very much in oxygen states, it seems. Um, which is a yeah. good thing in this, <laughs> in <Right>. this system. <laughs> it's useful. Yeah, yeah, this time. Um, well, does, 
does make it harder to see the sport you actually want to see, the mascot wars on the, on the, on the playing mm. field. Um, so I have two more things. One that um, I'm going to make a reference that I shouldn't, which is I feel like the uh, Quidditch World Cup is kind of like the Olympic Games that were uh, uh, that were supposed to happen. I think it was in the UAE where they basically wanted to do all of the things surrounding the Olympic Games under the cover of night so no one would know what was happening there. Because they spent like a year basically memory-charming muggles to keep away from this like massive thing that they're doing, which is just the funniest thing to me. And it's just like, okay, well, there's clearly nothing really terrible going on here where you need to have like a bunch of wizards basically making sure... That, that no one remembers anything about it. Um, I mean, clearly they just have, you know, all of the house elves at their disposal and they're not paying them. Um, and then the last thing uh, that is a little too on point um, that uh, Ms. Mrs., I guess, Malfoy is uh, Narcissa. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, could have commented on that. Um, it was just like, that's that's kind of a little too on point. Um is that actually the, like the appropriate female form of narcissus? I don't. I assume so. I mean, yeah, it I, is like a know. name I mean, in the it, world, so it is. That works, really. Yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> it's not one I would like choose for someone, but you know, there we are. You know, every every name has its era before a key event. You know, makes it a little bit less appropriate. That key event was in like you know 800 BC, but it had its appropriate period before that. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, you know, it's like the uh, goddess of water that just, you know, people don't get named after her anymore because of reasons. I will say that when you search Narcissa, you only get Harry, Harry Potter. Potter. I mean, yeah, so, that, that, but that's I'm surprised. unclear. Maybe I mean, I'm wrong on this. Which is, I don't know. Which is probably adding to the reasons for people to not name their child that now. Uh, fair or enough. make it a really fun thing for their... <laughs> <laughs> There are people that that seem to be like diehard. I am I'm Slytherin, and I love all of their ideals out there. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying that they also have a Confederate flag up, but like. <laughs> well, I will say so. There is a woman called Narcissa Wright who is a um, a competitive runner, and she is 31 years old. So she is too old to have been named after Narcissa Malfoy. Hmm. That's interesting. Is what it? It's just a thing. <laughs> um, let me find out. Oh, she's, she's American. American yeah. She's an American speed runner. Mm-hmm. runner. Huh. There is also apparently she's a from your legendary area gamer named Narcissa Wright. So unclear if there is overlap there. I don't know. Oh, those are things. I oh. thought she was like an actual runner. No, she's a game speed runner. <laughs> wow, there's a lot of stuff I do oh, not I know. I love in you, the world. Sarah. That's the best. <laughs> At some point, okay, we're just going to have Sarah Reed's video game <laughs> news and blogs, and what what comes out of that. Oh boy, uh, there's there's some yeah, so, premium content. <laughs> yeah, Sarah, if we could get you to, to put on your Lee Jordan hat and commentate on a, a professional uh, esports oh, game, boy. that'd be entertaining. Yeah, I can do that for you. <laughs> well, BJ, any, anything further to wheeze about? Uh, no, that that is. Um, actually, no, I do have one more minor uh, thing, which is, Spencer, would you eat every flavored beans 
with the tagline, a risk in every mouthful. No, 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 I, no. I've discussed this. I don't like the candy in this world. I don't get the idea of taking candy that can hurt you. That's the exact opposite intent I have when I want to eat candy. Spencer, it's trick-or-treating in the same bag. But no one actually plays trick-or-treat literally. No one's actually... No. Says the the man who ate enough hot chicken that it had to be taken away from him. I was going to say, I 100% disagree because there were spicy jelly beans that thoroughly amused me. (laughs) Okay. Uh, let, Let me clarify then. If it is part of a group activity, it's group suffering. That's fine. If it's just me alone in my house, it would not factor into any of my available candy options. Well, BJ, I think you know what the uh, what the next shared experience needs to be. Oh, oh. That that's okay. Uh, we we have other shared experiences that, that we can uh, do together. Anyway, um, see our other pods uh, coming out on the Megum Talks channel. Yes. Well. Newbie's notes. Uh, I enjoy that muggle repelling charms are apparently their own unique thing. Like, that's just a separate school of magic to develop muggle repelling charms. I also like that they are half men in black, half convincing somebody they're the white rabbit from, you know, Alice in Wonderland. Mm-hmm. Before. It's just convincing them there's something really important over there they need to be doing that is not here. I was going to say, like, uh, I never saw the international or british version of men in black that they came out with like the fourth or fifth movie but i kind of imagine that overseas this is really what men in black looks like (laughs) it's much more ministry of magic based than you know a couple of two dudes gallivanting (laughs) shooting stuff up and being like yeah like we'll have other people come yeah this is gentle and bureaucratic (laughs) let me just say how superior a movie it would have been if it had gone in that route (laughs) (laughs) fair enough uh I also, one thing I was really tickled by was just how pedestrian the advertisements mm-hmm. are. These aren't like, you know, selling hippogriffs or just some, all these various kinds of magic spells they're offering. It's a cleaning product. It's a car alarm. It's candy. It is very pedestrian household stuff. It's not even a, a minor... car alarm. It's a car that With fancy, fancy, it has an alarm. <laughs> yeah. I, I, it, it tickled me just how basic... It would have been less funny if they were just, you know, some obscure bit of magical stuff. No, these are the kind of things that would be advertised during the mm-hmm. game. The kind yeah. of things that the average wizard would want and need. I mean, it's very important to not have a family broom that's just going to get swept away by somebody passing by. <sighs> yes, BJ, very much so. I find it interesting that we get to explore with house elves the culture of slavery and the idea that, Mm -hmm. you know, slavery involves a certain element of consent or a certain element of not really having a built-in understanding of what a world outside of slavery would be. It's a very British view. It's it's definitely an element of the house elves kind of believe that this is their appropriate lot in life, this is their way to ultimately kind of a sense of salvation and finding their purpose in the world, and that moving outside of it is just... It's not that it's, you know, a necessary... There's an element of danger, there's an element of punishment, but it's more that they almost lack the capacity or lack any prior training to consider a, a different walk in yeah, life. Yeah, it's literally so inconceivable. Now, yeah. Dobby is now the other. Mm-hmm. He is just such an so, so ostracized and an outsider that he has found a way outside this that they view him as like inherently a rabble-rouser. I would love to sit in on those meetings to see what Dobby the rabble-rouser <laughs> is because I'm guessing it's a bit oversold. Yeah, it's probably just like, hey, I need some money to eat can i work for you 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 will get to see some of this guys um somehow not surprised uh but i like just sort of everything about that i find interesting do 
I guess this is, you know, maybe should be in questions, but do we get to see a little bit more of like how the house elf working relationship ends up being? Like, does Dobby end up like owning a bunch of other house elves? Because that would be like the best (laughs) thing ever. Um, We actually do get to see more about it, although it's in a, I would say it is in, actually, no, we do get to see it. In this book, we get to see it from a very particular situation. In another Mm -hmm. book or other books, we actually get to see it in a more traditional, like, house elf, one house elf working in a house of a wizard family, um, like Dobby was doing for the Malfoys. So we actually get to see a a couple of different ways that that works out. So if I were to write Harry Potter fan fiction, amongst the, the short stories that I would write is like Dobby's cleaning service and and other chores. <laughs> Him as an entrepreneur. Yeah, and just like the things that he would have to end up cleaning in wizard houses and like what God. that would look like and what it would be. Mm-hmm. God. Um, you know, him trying to contend with um, uh, gnomes or something <laughs> that, that are probably bigger than he is. The price, the price wars he engages in with with, with a rival goblin corporation. There's a lot of ways this can be fun. Uh, Percy has another really bad day. Like Percy's had a bad run. This continues the kind of bad run. Like I wanted to ask though, all of us wear corrective lenses. Has anyone just had their glasses fall and them shatter? That that has never happened to me. I've had glasses the greater part of thirty years, and when they fall, they I, they they bounce. So they, they don't they don't shatter. There have been fairly significant improvements in the in how lenses are made and the materials that they are made out of. Um, mm-hmm. And if you're getting lower end lenses, you're probably getting a plastic polycarbonate. There are higher end lenses that are glass, but they're specific glass and have properties to make sure that they don't do that. But also, yes. as we have discussed, it is unclear for any given like technology that has been adopted by the wizarding world. It is unclear at what point that was adopted and then people the, and then yep. they stopped progressing like with a muggle version of it. Yeah, this is a classic in you know, like Victorian Edwardian kind of trope with respect to classes and it it, it fits in with the, this seems to be about as far as wizard technology got or at least wizard attire and customs got. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm I'm find it perfectly appropriate that it feels out of date because it <laughs> otherwise fits so much of what we see of the wizarding world. Which is uh, kind of th- interestingly problematic that Harry is on the same level because he would have gotten 90s glasses. What we've never seen his lenses break. We've seen like the middle part of his glasses break. Yeah, right? and that's mostly from getting punched by Dudley. Right. That is that is in keeping. So so the question is is uh Harry wearing glasses, like, are, is there going to be, like, a spiraling out of, like, brand new glasses technology? <laughs> or is it more going to be a relic that nobody touches forever after he dies? God, we, I've never pondered the scenario where Arthur Weasley realizes that Harry's glasses are muggle, are, are a muggle manufacturer <laughs> and have this whole new thing called plastic associated with them. I feel like Harry is very pointedly not telling him about this. <laughs> Mr. Weasley, you've had my glasses for like the last nine hours. I can't see. Can I have them back, please? Um, Cornelius Fudge is an interesting character. I'm never sure how to read him, and that's just perfect given he's the most consummate politician of this series. Of where he seems equal parts well-meaning slash self-serving gladhander, and that's just kind of, you know, appropriate, I guess. Mm -hmm. Uh, 
my personal read on Lucius Malfoy's question to Arthur about affording the seats is that he was actually in that moment legitimately confused as to how Arthur afforded the seats rather than was putting him down. Mm. So he's almost just even saying it under his breath where, how the hell are you here right now? I, I think it's like, why are you here? I paid good money to bend the ear of a politician. Sure. But did, it, I, weren't they in school together? Who? Um, uh, it's on... Is that a spoiler? No. No, I don't think it's a, no, it's not a spoiler. I don't think we know. Okay. Cuz like I just I figured that they've been like rivals since that era. That, it, that might be the case. I don't think we ever know that. I don't think we ever specifically learn that. I mean, we do know that um I mean, we I thought that like Lucius like uh Draco basically says that my dad like says things about your dad and we get that interaction as well yeah but i think that that's more to do with like both of their dealings with the ministry okay I mean, they both have dealings with the ministry which are very much on opposite sides so where arthur represents the government and yeah. lucius malfoy has recently been a bit at odds <laughs> with the government mm-hmm. yes uh they are they are both from remarkably different classes despite being official officially the same you know strata of society in the sense that they're both right. bloods. uh that they have very different views on the subject of muggles uh, which probably inform a little bit of where they're coming from as well. So it'd be fun if they'd been at each other's throats for years, but it's also just perfectly possible that there's a lot of points on either side that just kind of mean they're going to be at odds with each other. Yeah, and I do, like, I would imagine that them both being from sort of long-standing pure-blood families means that they have been thrown in each other's orbits um, yeah. just in a lot of different ways. <laughs> They both attended cotillions <laughs> together. It was very difficult. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Weasley uh, kept skipping out to smoke cigarettes out back. <laughs> oh, he totally did. Muggle cigarettes, too. Oh, he yes. recently found them somewhere. Uh, sonorous is a spell I don't think we've seen. Have we seen sonorous no, before? Was it Was that a spell mm-hmm. used by Lee Jordan? It, um, it, it is a very useful spell to see going forward. It clearly just further enables Bagman to have just the time of his <laughs> life during this mm-hmm. game. Yeah. Uh, However, in terms of relative level of commentator, I think Lee Jordan has quite a career in this industry because he delivered a much more effectively entertaining commentary than Bagman yes. did. Yep. Admittedly, the, the slower-paced game gives Lee Jordan more options in that regard. Bagman barely had the opportunity to use proper nouns throughout most of this. <laughs> but eh, Lee Jordan has a future whenever Bagman wishes to retire. That Also, uh, that spell is like the worst spell for everybody to know. Uh, whenever a kid learns that spell, God help the household. I feel like they can, that's what they keep in the um, restricted section of the library. <laughs> it's like apparating. Yeah. So, so apparating is like if you do okay enough on your owls, but like if you do really well, like you get so Yes. <laughs> it's not that it, it's going to like hurt you, but we we really want to keep a tight rein on We really need this to spell. not happen. Can you imagine Fred and George with access to oh that spell, gosh. the mischief they'd get up and to? And the whoopee cushion. Oh, boy. Uh, you know, that was where my mind went. It would be nonstop echoed fart noises surrounding the entirety of the Wizarding World. <laughs> Just through through the hog, halls of Hogwarts. It's not the gunshot that was heard throughout the world. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, Sarah, I'm also right there with you that this is kind of like similar to hockey. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of here from the game. I'm mostly here for the fights. Can we just have na- national team mascots just constantly going at each other, taunting each other the entire game for all Quidditch games? And these two that seem like, like parti- the Vila and Leprechaun seem particularly primed to be at odds with each other. Sure. D- yeah. Th- there's also some interesting things about the what she chose and their effect that they had given where J.K. Rowling lives. They might not have been the choices that I would have done have had I been from where she's from. Where is she from, actually? She's from Scotland. Yeah, so, like, Irish, like, serious Irish stereotypes, and then also kind of slightly misandrous stereotypes. Like, hmm, okay. Yeah, all right. It, it, it was, I very much agree how entertaining it was to see which one she picked and how utterly, massively different they are. I mean, they're mm-hmm. both arguably fae. They're both examples of fae, one more on the, you know, fairy kind of thing, the other more on the elf slash siren, mm-hmm. nymph, succubi, dryad, <laughs> just doing a lot of things combined at the Vila. Mm-hmm. With, even with elements like hags and harpies thrown in there too, for good measure, all rolled in a very attractive package, mm-hmm. apparently. Uh, meanwhile, leprechauns are just, they're leprechauns. They are, they're, they're offering a stadium flyover with a bit of a make it rain, or I suppose more make it hail, given yeah. that they're dropping coins. Yes. Um, with, with a certain element of also buying off the audience going into it, too, because apparently they're dropping real gold that's just there. That I was seemed expecting unclear. It, to be like, that it, it seemed a little surprising that that would be a thing. Like, I could see, I guess, but I could also just see it being, like, a, an illusion. So in the realms of things that I told you would be important that might not particularly seem like they would be important, remember Vila and remember the Leprechaun Gold. Interesting. Okay. Okay. So, like, actually, these two mascots are oddly less the leprechaun as a mascot itself, but the Vila being compelling and stupefying all the men, and and Hermione being the only useful person in the (laughs) story. Is this where she makes her her uh, bones as opposed to being terrible at chess? Um, (laughs) the Vila are important. Or you make the most appropriate noise when you're trying to catch yourself to avoid spoiling mm. something. <laughs> uh, but it, it, I'm fully suspecting Leprechaun Gold in fitting with all kinds of Leprechaun tricks and mythology is there maybe temporarily and is going to apparate and disappear after the game or something. It seemed more in keeping with the mythology than them just being exceptionally oddly generous for this one-off event. As for the Vila, yeah, keeping with a Mix between succubus and uh, sirens, the effect that they have specifically on men is interesting in the sense that it doesn't appear to affect Mr. Weasley, though it seems like it's implied that he's just better prepared Mm -hmm. for it and takes steps to avoid the effect of it. And it seems to specifically not affect Hermione. And so she's the only girl we have present, but I guess the implication is that it has a decided effect on the opposite sex and maybe not women. Mm. Is Ginny not there? Maybe. Um, we don't see, we don't hear or see any effect on her. We don't, which is, I mean, kind of on brand for Ginny being in the books, yeah, she but disappears into the background. I mean, we specifically have Hermione. We know it didn't affect her. And we can draw implications from that either based on the unique traits of Hermione or on the fact that she's female. We'll fi- probably find out more later. Um, but it, it was delightfully tropey to see her get thoroughly annoyed at Harry for being interested in them or seemingly compelled by them. Um, it's also, I also did not know this before. Leprechauns, everybody's freaking heard of leprechauns. Vila, I did not realize, are actually South Slavic mythology. So they're perfectly appropriate for Bulgaria. Did not know mm-hmm. that. It's spelled differently. And, 
Um, yes. B-I-L-A, but still on point. Oh, interesting. And seems pretty close. It seems like J.K. Rowling has added in a lot of other Fae-like features to them, but they definitely have a root that seems pretty similar. Hmm. Um, it's also interesting every... to reference something else that we did, that these creatures are a little bit more in line with the uh, Staric that we had in... True. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, the Naomi Novik book. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think she she even uses almost wintry... J.K. Rowling even uses somewhat wintry descriptions to describe them. So. Yeah, like very white. Oh, very important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And in ter- also in terms of descriptions, I love it when J.K. Rowling decides she's going to describe somebody, because she doesn't always. Often she'll give us a few descriptors, and we'll find out more later. But when she decides that she wants us to have a visual of somebody, she goes to town. I've got such a visual image of, of Crumb now, it's funny. <laughs> she gives me a couple paragraphs of descriptions of how this guy looks. We've got that he is uh, dark, sallow-skinned, large curved nose, thick black eyebrows, overgrown bird of prey duck-footed, round shoulders, like, dear lord, J.K. Rowling, is this guy coming up again? (laughs) There's been a trend... An Mm -hmm. interesting reaction from Hermione to him. Yes. Hermione has a few times indicated she is at least moderately intrigued by this person. Um, The main thing she keeps describing him here is that he's just really brave, which I... we've, We've not really heard Hermione kind of take that time to emphasize descriptions or express her own opinion about another person before, so... That could be curious going forward. Um, didn't she, with um, the Professor of the Dark Arts that hit on little girls? <laughs> she did have a little bit of a thing for Professor Lockhart, yes. <laughs> she, she did. She did. Uh, let's see here. Omniocular, as said, are the greatest invention ever known to man and need to see wider application to the Wizarding World. The fact that you've got slow-mo and pop-up commentary while in slow-mo is just great. Also very also... funny that they don't work with glasses, which I, I, I kind of am starting to find it funny that it's a running gag that Harry has to deal with his glasses. Mm-hmm. But it's also really funny that you have like all of this magic, <laughs> but it needs to go through his glasses. It, it honestly reminded me of scuba diving and not being able to wear my glasses while I've got my mask on, just in terms of that sheer annoyance of where something is necessary, but something else that is necessary does not work with it. I also like that we basically got kind of uh, names of moves throughout popping up in the commentary of the mm-hmm. hawk's head attacking formation, the pork's off, the pork cough ploy, the Ronsky defensive feint. I'd be curious to know how many of these J.K. Rowling has worked out, and moreover, how many of the fan base is now assigned definitions to in actual Quidditch. Oh, 100% that's happened. And did the uh, pork scoff remind you of uh, pork sniff? Now it does. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, I also really liked that the series takes time to emphasize that though Harry is pretty good at a lot of things, he's not the best. And I like this chapter really emphasizes that though Harry is viewed as a gifted seeker, he does not even compare to these people that are at the top of the game. I like that. That's a touch of realism in the series. I appreciate heroes that aren't immediately the best in the world at whatever they get involved in. Uh, I'm curious, do you guys, are we to believe that Harry's explanation for Crumb's final move is accurate? Are we just supposed to believe that Harry has correctly read the situation? I, I think so. Yeah, I mean, it's this is a little, it's an annoyance because, I mean, it's an annoyance for a lot of reasons, but, like, the idea that they could never come back, like, they just needed a streak of, like, two goals to make the math work, that if Crumb... Right, but it's also if Crumb had the option to whenever he wanted mm-hmm. to take it. Yes. But, I mean, but, like, Harry, like... 
Harry's interpretation is correct because he's spoken to Crumb and this is a retrospective <laughs> memoir that he has rewriting, uh, you know, whatever yeah, fiction yeah. he wants. And so, like, he knows that that was Crumb's perspective. But I do think that we also, as I blow past this nonsense that you put forward, <laughs> BJ, <laughs> um, I do think that we get evidence in the description of this game that the Irish team is particularly good at playing as a team. And the Bulgarian <laughs> team depends on Crumb as a gifted seeker. And so couple that with the idea that it, it seems like we were in a situation at, this end of, at the end of the game where Lynch was specifically going to catch the snitch if Crumb did not. He, was go- he had to catch the snitch um, just for a, a, personal, um, a personal pride. Right. Ending the game on his own mm-hmm. terms is mm-hmm. How much is uh, Snitch worth again? 150. 150. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, and they were getting what was, clobbered. Right. The score was like 160 to uh, 170, 160. Yeah. So, basically, the likelihood that they would have gotten two goals in a row and two then goals because they've only have, had one. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Ireland has had 17 in that time. Yeah. Um, but it's unclear whether that is because of all of the uh, penalties or because <laughs> they're just that bad. It, it, it's also one thing. I think Quidditch really needs a concussion protocol like stat <laughs> because Lynch is obviously concussed at the end of this game. Like they're playing up to how concussed this poor guy is. Crumb also got really battered all the crap. I mean, a bludger to the so, face is not anything to laugh at. no. He needs to be sent off and have a, qu- a quick, pretty quick medical look. So the alternative interpretation of this is that you could perfectly assign, you know, this kind of heroic explanation for this, that the hero ending it on his own terms, um, in some ways accepting defeat, but, you know, making his own victory of it. It's also perfectly possible that he'd gotten the shit beat out of him and wasn't keeping track of the score at that given moment. It is perfectly fair. Yep. Um, I think the they, Bulgarian men- they called that uh, self-imposed memory charms. <laughs> Those need to be a thing. Uh as we discussed, the Bulgarian Minister of Magic is my personal hero. I w- I'm so disappointed to hear we're never going to get to see him again. Sorry, Spencer. <laughs> I'll live. Uh, and finally, the twins bet. Mm-hmm. How? How? Obviously, they cheated. Obviously, <laughs> they did something to cheat. Obviously, there was some element of either prophecy or paying people off going into this. But how? Because clear, no. There is no way this is a legitimate bet. There is no way that they just got lucky. That's not how they operate. That's not how this series operates. So there is a bit of a mystery here that I'm having to code in lilac, some out of colors, um, that we'll have to return to. But I'll be curious to see how long they draw out what the actual secret of what they did is. I, I mean, I could also... Go ahead, BJ. Sorry, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, I could also see it just being like they are really big Ireland fans and know how Ireland plays, and know that the Ireland Seeker isn't that good. They also um, are, like, just... They really are just gamblers in the world. Like, they it's look for the... Uh, they have very limited money at their disposal. They need a lot of money to put whatever Weasley Wizard Weezes plan they have in action. And they looked for, okay, this is the bet that will get us the the steepest odds. I mean, but and and then the other thing is, like... They know the position, right? What do you mean? I mean, don't they play... I don't remember the positions now. Oh, they, they, they're they, beaters. They're... Right. Yeah. So, like, they they should know better than most people, like, playing at the not-quite-professional, but there's no, like, collegiate-level Quidditch. Mm-hmm. 
But but well, that falls are... apart a little bit because they bet Bagman, who was a professional Quidditch player. He's also a moron. Well, that that that, that, that is fair. Yes. Um. But it, 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 it really puts me up two minds about it. Of where I agree, it's perfectly in keeping that they are reckless gamblers. It's also perfectly in keeping that they're incredible schemers. Mm-hmm. So either one could work. If, if it ultimately is, it's just they decided to go to the roulette wheel and bet it on thirty-two black. Fine. <laughs> that, that I mean that that that's that's fine. That's in keeping. <laughs> If possible, though, it only makes me respect them even less, if that's actually the explanation for what happened. Where's Hermione's time turner? Uh, it got... (laughs) Great. It probably got confiscated into Filch's office, and we know that things can disappear from there. God, please. Can we give... Can we filter a lockbox or something? (laughs) Just don't keep it in a friggin' cabinet. I mean, like, if it was in Filch's office, the character that I would most suspect ending up with it is Crookshanks. <laughs> sure. Yeah, oh and the cat with the time, time turner turn. is like the... <laughs> that is the end of civilization Yeah, from right here there. on out, the series gets real weird, guys. <laughs> this is the way the world burns, is cat with time turner. Oh, this is the way the world ends, not with a bang, but with a bottle brush a tail. A bottle brush tail. <laughs> <laughs> Running through frame, the last Rust thing we see. High up in the air. Just a, just a blur of orange going across. Oh, boy. <laughs> well... Uh, that is all I've got. Sarah, you know, is the winner of this chapter Ireland, or are we getting a little bit more into the minutiae from here? I don't know. This is such a weird chapter to do house points for, it because is. we have, like, some personal things going on, but really, our main characters are not, again, they're, again, kind of observers in this situation. Mm-hmm. There's some weirdness going on I mean, I think the with, twins. Yeah. Um, I think the twins, like... It's hard to have a losing chapter when you make a crazy bet and win. And they, it seems like they have won thousands of galleons at yes. this point so i the twins have to win it um loser i mean percy had some bad stuff happen to him but percy has been losing these chapters a lot recently yeah i mean but not like it wasn't that it bad wasn't terrible lot. i mean honestly i, I think, think yeah. lucius oh yeah that's fair lucius did have like he dropped a lot of money to, to charity yeah exactly on a charity to talk to a politician and then basically for whatever reason one of his consummate rivals is there by invitation i i buy that argument i will take i will take a lucius malfoy loser i will take a weasley winner and we will call it a day (laughs) can i just offer an honorary mention i agree with these choices for winner and loser but an honorary mention for winner just for the level of self-amusement clearly at play the bulgarian minister of magic yes that um, man had the time of his he, life that he, day, and nobody even knew he it. He was very clearly playing the long con, too, because in the last chapter, um, Ludo Bagman yeah, was Bagman going said. around trying to find Barty Crouch to translate for him because the Bulgarian prime minister didn't speak English. He was doing yeah. this with everyone, although I will, I will also admit that there are a lot of social engagements in which I could pretend that I could... I wish I could pretend to not speak English and get out of it. <laughs> <laughs> To be the funny foreigner? Oh, I could so great that mm. way. I mean, it, it seems like your degree would be a slight hindrance to that. I know, but nobody would know if I couldn't speak English. <laughs> <laughs> you do remind me of there being this really weird um, scenario in certain Asian countries where um, because there are many students that try and get into U.S. colleges and graduate schools, and there's a uh, written exam mm-hmm. that there are many 
there are a significant number of students that have basically no spoken English, but mm. really good to impeccable written English. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so they pass the exam, they get in, and yes. then can like literally not interact with yeah. people. That's interesting. Hmm. Anyway. Anyway, questions. Quibbles, questions, queries, and qualms. This one was kind of stated in the text, but I'm just curious to confirm it. Who is Winky's master? It is Barty Crouch. I thought so. Barty Crouch doesn't show up in the box, does he? We, that gets, I was, I was hesitant to actually say that in my recap, we get confirmation in the next chapter that Barty Crouch does not show up in the box. Interesting. We should make a note of that, right? Because that seems no, no, odd. no. Just ignore it. It's fine. Because uh, no. like there, there were some indications. Like it felt like this was a Malfoy house elf, but like it isn't. Yeah, that I mean, it is. It is notable, and we we learn more specifics about this. But like the fact that she is being like this is a really cruel thing that she is being asked, commanded to do, to just sit up in this top box when she is clearly terrified of heights. She's clearly terrified. It's clearly a mean thing to do. And it's ultimately futile because he doesn't show up. Mm-hmm. It, it is, yeah, mental note for that one. I'll keep track of it. How much they do terrible things to house elves or, or like this specific instance? This specific instance and why. Um, I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm underlining it in periwinkle, <laughs> adding it to the list. Um, I'm kind of fascinated that magic seems to have its kind of own little language that you just sort of learn, but... Apparently, you can have wizards that aren't good with languages, and that there isn't an understand other languages spell kind of thing yeah. for, especially for for you know high ranking ministers that have to interface with other cultures. Yeah, if they could just did cast the Google Translate spell. <laughs> Is there a Star Trek Universal Translator spell in the uh, Wizarding world? Nope. Man, somebody would make a fortune with that thing if they were developing it. Well, maybe the Weasleys are on it. God, Fred and George find a new purpose. <laughs> Fred and George turn diplomat. I was going to say, like, the yeah. uh, Hitchhiker's Guide version of it is about as Harry Potter as you could get. I don't remember what it is. You you take a fish and you put it in your ear. It worms its oh, way right. in. Yes. At, yeah. That's right. And basically translates the brain waves. Yeah. Um... Speaking of how magic works, something I've just been a little confused about, are muggle repelling, are charms in general uh, a spell, a physical object, or can they be both? Um, so charms are a spell, but I suppose that you can cast a charm on an object and it becomes a charmed object in the way that you would have, you have curses and you have cursed objects. So what's the difference between a curse and a charm? Um... I feel like we've had this conversation before, but honestly, it's it's both in, it's intent more than anything. Gotcha. And so, and I think it's also um, I think it's also wrapped up in the idea of reversibility. Curses are generally not reversible. So there's a very purposeful choosing that the memory erasure spell is a charm and not a curse. I think that is one of the polite fictions the <laughs> ministry <laughs> tells itself to continue to function. Mm. Question, I'm probably going to go down a rabbit hole, but the Vila are probably the most, one of the most humanoid of mm-hmm. the non-humans that we've seen so far mm-hmm. in the series. To what degree <laughs> non- 
you you can in fact end up with a with the 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 Vila version of Hagrid. That wasn't actually going to be my okay. question, but thank you for jumping me that sure. way. I was going to ask, what degree can members of can Vila participate in wizard society? Can they go to like Hogwarts? Can they participate in government? To what degree are non-humans that are particularly human excluded? So. Or do they just have their own circles and have no desire to function in It's a little unclear where the actual motivation lies, but I actually think that my original point still stands because as a half-giant, Hagrid did in fact go to Hogwarts. And um, mm-hmm. we do in fact get later confirmation that if you are half-Vila, you can, in, you can attend a magical school um, and become a witch or wizard. Okay. It is follow up on okay. Is Hagrid well, 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 sterile? <laughs> <laughs> that is outside the purview of my knowledge, BJ. <laughs> I, I think this is working more around fan, uh, fantasy racial mixing terms, BJ, rather than real life. Um, but it is unclear that if you are like a, I would I would argue that pure. We get evidence later in these books that purebred giants generally don't have any interest or capability of going to Hogwarts, it, unclear if that also stands true for Vila. I, my guess is they look at any non-wizard uh, partner basically the same. Yeah, I, th- I think that's and just like there. It really doesn't matter. Like, it could have been a chicken. And if, like, you're a wizard and you, you, you have, like, a, you know, eat... Uh, Colonel Sanders, like, m- massive uh, chicken that, that can wield a wand, like, whatever, you're half wizard, and so that's fine. Uh, we get, mm, that that is, yeah, I think that's probably true, as long as you are, like, half wizard, or... or This is very Greek mythology. <laughs> yeah, we do get some sort of, some Lita-like things going on here. Um, mm. y- yeah, I think it's half wizard or human muggle-born. Those are kind of the the standards for whether you are allowed to enter a, a wizard school. Okay. I, I pondered for a period of whether it was, you know, ability to express magic and to be like, clearly magical in their own way, but then I thought about house elves and some house elves are arguably strong. Yeah, how, like, house elves so. are mm-hmm. incredibly magical and a thousand percent not allowed to attend a, a, attend a um, magical school. Gotcha. What, was that a problem? That they couldn't attend magical schools? No, house elves in the households that they're in seems like it could generate a problem of having uh, questionable entrance into magical schools down the road. Um, what? <laughs> uh, well, one of the problematic things in U.S. history. Okay, I thought I knew where your question was going. Yeah, this is one of the things that where I didn't want to. I, did, yeah, I didn't want to be the person saying. who thought. I wanted you to lay it out yourself. <laughs> Without it actually being his question. Uh, we have no evidence of this being a problem. Okay. But I don't know. That was just one of those great moments of where we all were kind of just playing chicken and where <laughs> I don't want to reveal that I'm the one that understood that. As, as BJ frequently happens with your question. <laughs> <laughs> we're all on the same page, but no one else wants to admit nope. it. Nope. Nope. Playing ignorant. That's safer. Oh boy. Um, other qu- other questions. Uh, what 
level of rules and authority does the referee have? Is it very much discretionary, or are there set rules for how they're supposed to go about enforcing and performing the game? I, I mean, there are rules about it, but not unlike other, you know, actual professional sports. Like you get referees who have certain proclivities about how they enforce the rules um, and sure. and what that looks like. Uh, this referee seems to have been uh, particularly stymied by the presence of Vila in in the it's stadium. Very, uh, like the replacements. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Good reference. Yeah, that was very much that, wasn't it? Um, but you know, out outside of that, I don't know. It seemed like he did like a relatively fair job of refereeing. Mm-hmm. Other than that extended period where we lost track of the game and was trying to send off the mascots, <laughs> yeah, he was doing great. I have a feeling that this might be a uh, foreshadowing, but. How good is non-Muggle security at the World Cup? Um, because yeah. a gathering of like all of the wizards, mm-hmm. uh, when there is a somewhat significant problem, presumably of dark wizards, mm-hmm. seems like mm-hmm. a problematic time. I think that we will we will come to find that it is in fact a problematic time, although. What I will say, and this is a little bit of a spoiler because it, it, well, it is a little bit of a spoiler, but what I will say is that actually the anti-Muggle protection seemed to have worked pretty well, except that they had, there were certain Muggles who had to be in on the situation whom we have already encountered. Gotcha. And just in terms of things that are reoccurring to me, remind me, Voldemort did say that the next phase of his plan was going to occur during the World Cup, right? Um, I think he was said he was waiting for after the World Cup. Mm-hmm. Okay. To, to use the distraction of that and more... What, the Ministry essentially had its guard up now because they were all on active duty and wait until that had calmed down before making his next yes. move. Yes. Gotcha. Okay. Well, that, that is all the questions for me. Um, any more from you, BJ? Uh, I think that's it for now. Okay. So... Uh, oh, go ahead. Sarah, I'm going to warn you, the next chapter is 27 pages. Oh, and a lot happens in this... Oh, boy. <laughs> We may, need to, we may need to do a rule adjustment to make this next chapter work. Or I'll send you notes beforehand on what needs to be covered in newbies. No. <laughs> These are the gaps. That's where I've got two hours of material. <laughs> um, so next time we have chapter nine, the dark mark. Um, what do you What do you make of this picture, Spencer? I'm pulling it up right now. I was a little bit disappointed with the last picture because it was pretty basic for the World Cup. Yeah, not a great one. Yeah, so this one I saw, and it was... Simultaneously haunting and confusing. Mm-hmm. I mean, this, th- there this... was a lot about fires in the previous chapter. So I'm just going to make some guesses about the tent camping and the problematic fires. <laughs> this, is, this is a PSA from Smokey the Bear. God. Half PSA, hat it, you'll, you'll float too. All right. Well, this has been fun, y'all. All right. Yeah. Looking forward to the next chapter.